We're going to get ready for our Bible study tonight, and I'm going to ask you to open up to Romans chapter 5, and then Exodus chapter 20. And uh, we've been teaching on love, and we're going to continue on. I have some things uh, to share with us and highlight some things that we've shared and go further. And uh, again, I'm teaching on love, the law of liberty. Love, the law of liberty. And again, open up to Romans chapter 5, and then also Exodus chapter 20. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Father, we just thank you again for another opportunity to, um, to minister your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We prepare our hearts. We prepare our hearts, Father, to receive from you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness toward us. Uh, we bless this time as we come around your word. Uh, we thank you that you will give us insight and, and revelation that you will provide answers to our lives. Help us to be better and conform more to the image of Jesus. We bless this time. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for all you're going to do for us and minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Again, we're ministering on love, the law of liberty. And this is, I believe, like part four, just continuing on to share with you. Uh, and uh, again, we talk about the word, uh, the Greek word agape. And this word is a special revelation. And it means to wish well to, to regard the welfare of. And this is love that's in a social or moral sense. And then as you go to Romans chapter 5 and Amplified in verse 5, uh, the point I was brought out here was that we've been given an abundance of love through the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is divine love. And here in Romans 5 and verse 5, it says, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we've been given an abundance of love through the Holy Spirit. And I read and I talked about before that this is in a continual tense, which means that the Holy Spirit continues to flood our hearts with love. He continues to pour his love on the inside of us, glory to God. Then also we know that uh, God loves us abundantly. So just like abundant love is in us and flows through us, God has abundant love toward us. Just imagine that abundant love, not just a little bit of love, but he has abundant love toward us. And, uh, and so again here, it talks about uh, poured in our hearts through a special person, through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to bring out here that as we yield to the Holy Spirit, he is our guide and our trainer in love. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit will help us to, to guide us in how to live out this agape love, this God kind of love. Holy Spirit is there to help us. So we're not on our own. So he's our trainer. He's our he's our guide. He's our tutor in how to walk and navigate. He's our navigator. You talk, think about the GPS, it helps us navigate which way to go to get to our destination. Well, the Holy Spirit is our spiritual love GPS to show us how to navigate and reach the destination of God in love. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So as we yield to those directions, sometimes I miss it as I'm driving, uh, you know, times and it'll reroute me. <laughs> but I get back on track and then we'll make that destination. So the Holy Spirit, who is the love GPS. Sometimes we may get off track. We may say something we shouldn't say or do something we shouldn't do. And the Holy Spirit will help us to reroute, if you will, and get us back on track so that we can 
make the destiny and make the destination that God has for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, thank God for the Holy Spirit, who is my teacher and my trainer in love. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then here in Exodus uh, chapter 20 and uh, verse 3, um, the point I brought out here was that Father God who originated and who emanates love is to be the first recipient of love. He's to be the first recipient of love. And so here in, in Exodus chapter 20, starting verse 3, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. So he's to be first. He goes on to say in verse 4, you shall not make up yourself any idol uh, or any likeness, form, or manifestation of what is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth as an object to worship. So he's the one that re receives the worship. He's first in our worship. Verse 5, it says, you shall not worship them nor serve them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous and passionate God, demanding what is rightfully and uniquely mine, visiting, avenging the iniquity, sin, guilt of the fathers on the children that is called the children into account for their sins of their fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And then verse 6, but showing graciousness, and steadfast, and steadfast loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so again, he is the originator and the uh, the emanator of love. He emanates love. So he's to be first. And so uh, it's important here uh, to practice or to study, as I said, loving Father God first. It's important to practice or to study loving God first. That will help us with all of our other relationships, even our dating relationships and our marriage relationships. So he's he's the first, he's the foundation. Uh, and he's 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 the dominant person that we are to focus in our love, focus our love on in terms of training in our love walk. Hallelujah. He is to be first, he's our foundation. Hallelujah. And then if you'll go with me to Leviticus chapter 19, just an, another review, Leviticus 19. And we'll look at verse 14. Uh, another point that I want to bring out here is you go to Leviticus 19 and look at verse 14, look at an amplified. Point I want to bring out is that the basis of our love for God, on the basis of our love for God, we just talked about how we're to love him first. We must treat our neighbor with God's love or the God kind of love. We must treat our neighbor with a God kind of love. So here in Leviticus 19 and verse 14, in the Amplified, it says, you should not curse a deaf man, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord your God with profound reverence. I am the Lord. So again, he says, I am the Lord. So that's the foundation. Loving him, he's Lord, he's first. And out of that, then we are not to curse a deaf man or put a stumbling block uh, before the blind. Uh, now, for find reverence for the Lord, uh, we have to treat uh, our neighbor uh, as we want to be treated. He goes on to say in verse 15 of Leviticus 19, you shall not do injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor show preference to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Verse 16, you shall not go around as a gossip among your people, and you shall not act against the life of your neighbor with slander or false testimony. And again, he says, I am the Lord. So again, he's talking practical ways of how to treat our neighbor uh, and to treat them with a God kind of love. 
And then he goes on to say in verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. So we have to guard our heart. You may most certainly rebuke your neighbor, but you should not incur sin because of him. And then verse uh, 18, you shall not take revenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor, your acquaintance, your associate, your companion as yourself. And again, he says, I am the Lord. So again, on that foundation, that's why uh, studying how to love him first. And out of that, that overflow, then we love our neighbor and we treat our neighbor. So how we treat our neighbor, how our, our stewardship of our neighbor, how we handle our neighbor uh, is very important. How we manage our relationship with others is, is very important. It's a part of our stewardship, our love stewardship toward God. And so we've got we've to gotta, uh, examine ourselves. How are we treating our neighbor? Are we walking with them as God has designed us to, to treat them? If so, then we're walking in the God kind of love. And so uh, this is this is the uh, the standard is based on our love for God. That is how we are to treat our neighbor. Uh, and then he goes on to say in verse 33 of Leviticus 19. Uh, and the sub point I want to bring out here is that our motivation is to treat those around us as we want them to treat us. And we just kind of talk about this, giving a little further uh, information on it. But here in Leviticus uh, 19 and verse 33, when a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress or mistreat him. Verse 34, but the stranger who resides with you shall be to you like someone native born among you. So like family, so treat everyone like family. And it says, and you shall love him as yourself. So it's important that we have a healthy love for ourselves. And then out of that healthy love for ourselves and from, from God, how God loves us, and then we love ourselves, then we, we treat others and we, we extend that love toward others. So it says, and you shall love them as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. And again, he says, I am the Lord your God. So on the foundation of our, of our love toward God, that is how we're to treat those whom he has created. And it says, I think down in First John, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother who you see it. So how we treat our neighbor is a, is a barometer of our love toward God, hallelujah. So we wanna to continue to work and strive on, on loving our neighbor. And then if you go with me to James chapter two, this was kind of a foundation passage for uh, this topic of love, uh, the law of liberty. Uh, James chapter two, we'll look at first uh, verse eight in Amplified, James chapter two and verse eight in Amplified. And the point uh, brought out here is that we are commanded to fulfill the royal law of love. We are commanded to fulfill the royal law of love. So here in, in James chapter two and verse eight, it says, if however you are really fulfilling, notice here, the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others, and do things for their benefit. So that, that's agape love, is doing things for their benefit. Uh, I like where in, in Luke 2, where the angels came and they said, goodwill toward men. So I believe that's, that's a good description of the God kind of love, the agape love. It's, it's, it's having a good intention toward mankind. So again, here in James chapter 2 and verse 8, if however you're really fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit, it goes on to say, you are doing well. In other words, we're fulfilling our, our design. We're fulfilling our purpose when we love with an unselfish love and do things for their benefit. Verse 9 says, but if you show partiality, and the Amplified says prejudice or favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as offenders. And again, so we are commanded to, uh, to fulfill this royal law of love. And um, uh, this royal law is like the king of the laws. You talk about royalty, you think about a king. So this is the king of the laws. This is the chief of all the laws. It is walking in the God kind of love, this love toward God and toward humanity. This is the king of all the laws in terms of human relations. Uh, and so it's like a, a, a supreme court of the laws. And so uh, we'll be judged on how we operated in our love toward one another. Again, here in verse nine, it says, um, if we show partiality or prejudice, we are committing sin. So the, the courtroom of love will say, you're showing prejudice toward another uh, ethnic group, or you're showing prejudice toward another person. You are committing sin, the Bible says, and you are convicted by the law as offenders. And so we'll be convicted, we'll be uh, judged guilty of as, as not walking in the royal law of love and allowing that love to direct our lives. It goes on to say in verse 10 of James 2, for whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. Verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you become guilty of transgressing the entire law. And so uh, as we as we follow the law of love, we will we are committed, we will obey all the law. If we break one part of the law, then we're guilty of breaking all of it. But if we walk in the in the law of love toward our neighbor, then we have fulfilled the love commandment. Hallelujah. We're we're we're, uh, we're doing well, the Bible says. Now go with me to James chapter two and verse 12. And uh, <clears throat> the point I brought out here is that I believe the law of liberty, I believe love is the law of liberty. So when we live in love, we live in liberty or we live in freedom. So here in James chapter two and verse 12 and Amplified, it says speak and act consistently. So this would be a consistent uh, activity said in Amplified. Consistently as people, who are going to be judged by the law of liberty. And I was just talking about that, that courtroom of the law of liberty. So we've got to live as though we're going to be judged by the law of liberty, that moral law that frees Christians from the bondage of sin. And so uh, I believe we're to live in this law of love, which I believe is the law of liberty. And so I believe that love uh, it emancipates, love releases us. Uh, and again, like I said, it's like we're in a courtroom of love as we're judged by a love in our actions and in our words. And so we want to, uh, to walk in love, the law of liberty. So when we release love, we're releasing freedom. We're, we're, we're releasing uh, liberty. We're unshackling people. Uh, we are uh, uncaging people. We're, we're releasing people to be all that God has designed them to be, given the opportunity to be all that God has designed them to be. <clears throat> if we go further, um, if you go with me to Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 5 uh, in verse 43, here uh, it's talking about 
uh, love. And the point I brought out here is that God's love is, is revolutionary to the ungodly mind. God's love is revolutionary to the ungodly mind. It goes against the norm. It goes against normal. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43 and Amplified, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor, fellow man, and hate your enemy. Verse 44, But I say to you, and this is Jesus saying, Love, that is unselfishly, seek the best or higher good for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, so that you may show yourselves to be children of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on those who are evil and those who are good. He makes the rain to fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright and unrighteous, the unrepentant, those who oppose him. Verse 46, for if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Verse 47, and if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles who do not know the Lord do that. Verse 48, you therefore will be perfect, and Amplified elaborates on the saying, growing in the spiritual maturity both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly father is perfect. And so when you look at this, this is, this is a revolutionary way of thinking. So God's love is revolutionary. It's unconventional to the ungodly mind. It goes against the norm. Who would love their enemies? And so Jesus is bringing a, a reformation, if you will, to this, what we would call the, the law of retaliation or the law of revenge that was put in place to protect the offender. He says in verse 44 again, he says, I say love, unselfishly seek the best or the higher good. So that's goodwill toward men. So unselfishly seek their good, uh, seek their uh, seek the best for them, their higher good for, uh, for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so this is a revolutionary thing. And so we've got to shift our minds and we've got to think, uh, how God wants us to, to handle our enemies. And so God wants us to handle our enemies uh, with an unselfish attitude of seeking their good. And again, you think about Jesus, uh, the prime example is he died on the cross and after they beat him and, and spat on him and made fun of him, mocked him and put a crown of thorns on his head and pierced him in the side and ridiculed him. And all, these, all these horrible things that they did to him, they beat him harshly. Uh, all these things that they did to him, uh, they blindfolded and beat him. And out of all those things, and the people on the cross saying, if you're the son of God, bring yourself down. He said, guarding his heart with love, saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So it was a revolutionary way of thinking. He said, Father, forgive them. So he was walking in love toward those who hated him, those who despised him, uh, those who rejected him. And he had done nothing uh, to hurt them. He'd, all he had done was brought healing and, and brought deliverance and uh, brought provision to him. All he, he did was good. The Bible says he went about doing good. And yet uh, they came against him and uh, they, uh, they harmed him. They were threatened by his popularity, the Pharisees. But, but yet Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And so this is a reformation that we've got to make in our minds is that we've got to unselfishly seek the best or the higher good for our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm reminded I was listening to a, an apostle online the other day and 
he said when someone um, ridiculed him, um, he paid him. He's because it was it was uh, they he said the enemies worked for him, you know, and uh, they, they because they were working toward his maturity, they were working toward his character development. Because here in verse uh, forty eight it says, "Be perfect, growing in spiritual maturity." So he uh, he paid him for their for their ridicule and uh, gave them. A, I think he said a twenty dollar bill gave them the, the, the blessing, blessing the enemies and those who uh, who persecute you. And so having that having the, a, 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 a sincere mindset that I'm going to pray for their for their good, I'm going to pray for their benefit, is is the the mindset that we are to have in the God kind of love. Hallelujah. Uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Uh, another point that I want to bring out and then we'll move forward into some other areas. Um, in Matthew 6 and 24, it says, um, the point I want to bring out here is that the evidence of our love is shown in whom we serve. The evidence of our love is shown in whom we serve. So here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Amplified says money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. So we've got to protect our heart. Uh, it says so you can't serve two masters. So the evidence of our love is shown in whom we serve. Something is going to master us. So the issue is who we love the most will, will master us. Who we love the most uh, will rule over us. Uh, who we love the most will be the one that will govern our lives. So he says you can't serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other or, or, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, work, any of these things. Um, that will try to master us. So we've got to keep our affections in the right place, keep God in first place, keep our love uh, directed and devoted toward him uh, because he is first place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 and uh, uh, verse 36 and Amplified. Uh, the point I want to bring out here and uh, just remind us here is that uh, the greatest commandment is to love and it's a love that's devoted to god in the midst of a so-called god rejecting world the greatest commandment is to love and it's a love that's devoted to the lord god in the midst of a god rejecting world um, and so here in, in matthew uh, 22 and verse 36 uh, it says teacher what is the greatest commandment in the law Verse 37, Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. That's the greatest commandment. And then verse 38 says, this is the first and greatest commandment. All right. And so uh, this is this is a great, great commandment. This is the big commandment. And then verse 39, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is an that is unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for others. That's good will toward man. In verse 40, the whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. So this is the great commandment or uh, the big commandment is to love. And um, we've got to keep that love uh, going strong because 
Uh, we're not going to go here, but in Matthew 24, it talks about how the love of many will grow cold. We've got to keep our love uh, stirred up and keep our love uh, on fire toward God's people and towards humanity and as well as towards God. We've got to keep our love uh, on fire toward God. Hallelujah. Because in the world, uh, the world will try to stuff our love with so much cynicism, so much skepticism, so many evil uh, th things that's being done. And you, you see senseless murders and crimes. All these things can cause our, our love to, uh, to grow cold and bad teaching and uh, all these different things. Uh, uh, bad language people having uh, ill will toward us. All these things can cause our love to, to grow cold and, and try to stir up our flesh that we want to retaliate and, and, and cover the love of God that's on the inside of us and not let that love flow out of us and not let that love emanate out of us. But we've got to, on purpose, be determined to let God's love govern us at all times and continue to yield ourselves to God's love. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go a little further. Um, let's go now to uh, John chapter 13 to share a few more uh, things here with us. Some, some further uh, points here. In James chapter 13 and verse 34, uh, the point I want to bring out here is that God's love is our trademark. God's love is the trademark for the Christian followers. God's love is the, the trademark for the Christian follower. Hallelujah. Here in John uh, chapter 13 and verse 34, um, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you. You so you too should love one another. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. And so this, this, this love for the Christian is a trademark. This, this is something that identifies the believer. So this is, this is our mark of distinction is that we have love for one another. Verse 35, it says, by this shall all men Know that you are my disciples if you have love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. So this this is a this is a drawing card. This is the uh, this is if you will. This is our standard. This is our banner. You you know how uh, how different uh, uh, countries have the flag. United States has has a flag. Well, the flag for the believer is love. The standard for us, the banner for us is love. I believe it says in Lamentations, his banner over us is love. So, so, so love is our standard. Love is, is our routine. Love is our new normal. He says, a new commandment I give you. So this is, this is a new normal that we are to operate in, and that is to walk in God's love, the God kind of love. So this is our, this is our trademark, if you will. Hallelujah. This is our, our design. You know, some companies that have a design, a logo uh, on, the, on, the, on the shirt to identify them and, uh, you know, to tell their business, uh, business logo. Well, if you will, the business logo for the Christian is the love of God. It's been stamped on our heart, hallelujah, in our spirit heart, spiritual heart by the Holy Spirit and manifest on the outside in the world. And so we represent God when we walk in the God kind of love. Again, he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that we're Jesus' disciples by our love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to continue to walk in the God kind of love. Uh, go with me to John chapter 14 and 
We'll look at verse 15. John chapter 14 and verse 15. This is Jesus still teaching about love. Here in John 14 and 15, the point I want to bring out here is that our love is, is demonstrated by our obedience to his word. Our love is demonstrated by our obedience to his word. So here in John 14 and verse 15, this is Amplified Classic. It says, if you really love me, you will keep, obey my commandments. So again, uh, this love is demonstrated by our obedience to his word. So he says, if you really love me, you'll prove it by keeping or obeying my commandments. So our, our love is, is it's expressed through our obedience to, to God's commands, the Lord's commands. Hallelujah. So we express our, our, our love to him by our obedience. If you go with me down to verse 21, a, a sub point I want to bring out here is that uh, as we uh, continue to love him and express it by obeying him, we are positioned for more supernatural revelation. Hallelujah. For those who really love him and express it by obeying him, we are positioned for more supernatural revelation or insight. So here in John chapter 14 and verse 21, the Amplified, this is in the classic. It says, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. So again, the one who obeys him is the really, who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love him. And then notice this, I will love him and I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. And I will, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Hallelujah. Verse 21, um, this is out of the Message Bible. It says, the person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my father. And then notice this, and I will love him and make myself plain to him. Uh, the Message Bible goes on to say in verse 22, Jesus, I mean, Judas, not Iscariot, said, Master, why is it that you're about to make yourself plain to us and not to the world. So again, positioning themselves for, for spiritual revelation. So Judas, not as care, says, why are you about to make yourself plain to us and not to the world? Verse 23 and 24 in the Message Bible. Because a loveless world, said Jesus, is a sightless world. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Message Bible says, because a loveless world is a sightless world. If they don't have love, they won't have sight. They won't have insight. They won't have revelation. He goes on to say in the Message Bible, if anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word and my father will love him. He goes on to say, we'll move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my words. The message you are hearing isn't mine. It's the message from the father who sent me. So a loveless world is a sightless world. So people that are not operating love, they don't have the sight of God. They don't have the insight of God. They don't have the revelation of God. They're, they're missing out on what true life is all about and loving our neighbors, what it's all about. So a loveless world is a sightless world. They don't have the, the, the sight from, from the Father. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let me go uh, a little further. <clears throat> uh, go with me to uh, John chapter uh, 15 and verse 13. 
a point I want to bring out here as we look at these different facets of love. Here, I want to bring out that Jesus showed great selfless love by laying down his life for others. In John 15 and verse 13, Amplified, it says, No one has a greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friends. And we know that Jesus laid down his life. So he showed, he showed great selfless love by laying down his life for others. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about others. And so it says here again, no one has greater love or stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends. Hallelujah. Let's go with me further to John chapter 21 and verse starting at verse 15. I'm going to look at this in the New Living Translation. John chapter 21. And we're going to start at verse uh, 15, New Living Translation. Continue to stay with me as we um, share different aspects of, of God's love and continue to dig deeper as we study this love and, and bring deeper revelation and insight and application to our lives. Uh, so as we look here in John chapter 21, and verse 15, uh, the point I want to bring out here is that leaders should feed and take care of the Lord's followers out of a deep love for the Lord. Leaders should feed and take care of the Lord's followers out of a deep love for the Lord. So notice here in the New Living Translation, uh, John 21 and verse 15, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And this was after Peter had betrayed him uh, three times. So again, uh, he says, uh, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you, then, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And so again, leaders should feed and take care of the Lord's followers out of a deep love for the Lord. So Jesus asked Peter this question three times, do you love me? And we know that in Acts, Peter became one of the leaders in the early church. He asked him, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, uh, you know that I love you. But then notice Jesus said, feed my sheep. And notice each time he said, my sheep and my lamb. So, so the sheep belong to Jesus. We're just stewards of the sheep. So lost humanity, we're just stewards over our relationships with, with lost humanity. So uh, Jesus says, feed my lambs and, and feed my sheep. In other words, they belong to Jesus. So out of love, we must help to feed and to nourish Jesus' followers, Jesus' sheep that's under our care. We, we must help to nourish and feed them out of a, a foundation of our love for Jesus, the Lord. He, he's the chief shepherd. Then we are to love, our, our, love those who are under our care. 
So he's talking about sheep, and this could be the, the sheep in your family. Uh, if you're in leadership on the job, those, those, those sheep, if you love me, and of course, in the church, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed the young and the old. And uh, this responsibility is to take care of the sheep, to, to protect them, to be a shepherd to the sheep. Those that are under our care, on the basis of love, we have to feed them. And so, again, so treating others with, with love, and particularly those uh, that, 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 that's been entrusted to us, we're to feed them on the foundation of our love toward Jesus, who is our, who's our maker and who's the head of the church. Hallelujah. That's how we're that's how we're motivated to feed the sheep. So we got to give ourselves to feeding the sheep because we love Jesus. Then we dedicate ourselves to prepare ourselves to, to study or uh, to pray for those who are under us. All those all those things because we love Jesus, and so we're going to take care of His sheep. Hallelujah! Want to treat His sheep well? Hallelujah! And bring glory and honor to Him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go further. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and uh, verse 8. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Familiar passage. The point I want to bring out here is that God demonstrated his expensive love when humanity was in its lowest place. God demonstrated his expensive or extravagant love with humanity within its lowest place. Hallelujah. Notice what it says here in Romans 5 and 8 Amplified. It says, but God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He clearly shows and proves his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While we were in the pig pen, like the prodigal son, nothing valuable uh, about us. Hallelujah. We're in the, uh, in, in the, in the pig sty. While we were yet still sinners, God demonstrated his expensive love toward us because he, he gave his only son that's expensive gift. He paid for us with an expensive gift, even while we were still sinners. So we weren't even worth it in the natural. We weren't even worth it in our flesh, in our sin, sinful state. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send some other person. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. So when we were in our lowest state, he paid an expensive gift for us. Hallelujah. He paid a high cost for us. He paid a superior cost for us. And he showed expensive love toward us. Expensive love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We didn't earn salvation. We were in a, at, the, at the rock bottom. We were in a poor state, a, a dejected state. I think in the Old Testament, Psalm says, when we were in the miry clay, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Hallelujah. We were sinners. We were wrongdoers. We were, we were offenders. Uh, we were transgressors. And in that state, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Hallelujah. Here in the Message Bible, it stood out to me. Here in the Message Bible of, of Romans 5 and 8, it says, 
But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. Hallelujah. We didn't earn it. Hallelujah. He loved us unconditionally. No conditions. He loved us while we were still sinners. Hallelujah. We thank God for that, for that expensive love, that extravagant love that he has toward us. Hallelujah. And, and, and that love was, it was to trade places. Jesus came down so that we can come up. He lowered himself so that we can rise up to a higher place. Hallelujah. It was an exchange. He invested his son into us so that we can become that profitable, that worthwhile investment. Hallelujah. That God originally intended for us to be. Hallelujah. He showed and proved his love toward us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go a little further. Go with me to Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. Starting at verse 27. Hallelujah. In Romans 8, 27, the point I want to bring out here is that God works all things for good to those who love him. Just like the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. Hallelujah. Again, God works all things for all things together for, for our good or for our benefit to those who love him. So those of us who love him, just like the Holy Spirit is there to help us in our weaknesses and our frailties, God works all things together for good to those who love him. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let's look at this in, starting with Romans uh, 8 and 27 in Amplified. It says, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because the spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. Uh, hallelujah. And then verse uh, verse 28, and we know, and amplified, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Hallelujah. So again, verse 28, we know with great confidence. So this is the confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, so this is the God who loves us with an unconditional love, with an everlasting love. This God who loves us causes all things to work together as a plan for good to those who love God. So we love God. And it goes on to say to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. We're called according to God's plan and purpose. Hallelujah. So God is, is, is working all things together for our good. And, and uh, it's like it's, it's, it's no single thing is left out. He says all things. So completely all things. is God causes all things to work together for our good. And so God is, is co-laboring. As I looked at that, 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 that word work together. So he, he's co-laboring. He's, 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 he's working things together. Uh, the Greek word is uh, synergia, where we see the word synergy. So God is synergizing all things working together. 
And uh, this word all looked it up. It's any and every kind. So everything God, God is working together for good, for the benefit. We think about good for the benefit of those who love him. So he's working all things together for our benefit. Hallelujah. You can claim that you can declare that over yourself. God is working all things together for my good, for my benefit. Hallelujah. He's co-laboring. Uh, one person said he, he's stirring, he's mixing all the ingredients. Some of the ingredients, you know, when you make a cake, some of the ingredients are uh, maybe sweet and and but some of the some of the ingredients might be might be bitter. You know, if you're making a a, a stew or something, you may have some some bitter herbs and some some spicy things in there. But it's all blending together to make something good. And so God is co-laboring, working all things together for our good. And I read that even in difficult situations, God guarantees good results. Hallelujah. Even in difficult situations and challenging situations and painful situations, God guarantees good results. It says he's working all things together for our good. Hallelujah. And then uh, verse 29, and then I'm going to go a little bit further to encourage us. But uh, again, all things together for those who love him. So having our, keeping our love intact. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I thank you. Even in difficult situations, God, I love you. God, I know I, you have a calling on me. You have a plan for me. This this situation may, may be a challenging situation, but but God, I know you love me, and that's my foundation. And and your promise here is you're guaranteeing that all things are working together for my good. Hallelujah for my benefit. And then here in verse twenty nine, it says, "For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be." conformed to the image of his son so so that's 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 the bottom line goodness is that we're being conformed to the image of his son hallelujah and it goes on to say and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the first born, firstborn the most beloved and honored among many believers hallelujah hallelujah and so he's causing all things to work together for our good and uh part of that goodness is being being conformed to the image of Jesus. Hallelujah. Being conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. So we thank God for that. And let me just give you, this is probably the last one. We go, we're here in Romans chapter 8. I want to skip down to verse 35. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's just one for encouragement. Uh, the point I want to bring out here as you go to Romans 8 and 35 and Amplified is that God's inseparable and unconquerable love gives us an overwhelming victory, hallelujah, over any personal, national, or global force that's coming against us, hallelujah. Again, God's inseparable and unconquerable love gives us an overwhelming victory over any personal, national, or global negative force coming against us. Romans 28, uh, 828 says he's working all things together for our good. Uh, here, let's look at this in Romans 8 and verse 35 and Amplified. It says, and who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Where tribulation, that's trials, or distress, stressful times, or persecution, or famine, famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, war. Verse 36, just as it is written, and forever remains written, for your sake we're put to death all day long. 
we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, here's a, here's a, here's a point of rejoicing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think Brother Hagin said, you have your shouting shoes on. Hallelujah. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. Hallelujah. Yet in all these things, we are not just a conqueror, but we are more than conquerors and gain a, an overwhelming victory through him who loved us. And again, it says, verse 35, who shall ever separate us? So the point I was bringing out is that God's inseparable, and I'm adding unconquerable love. It can't be conquered. Unconquerable love gives us an overwhelming victory over any personal, whether it's famine or distress or tribulation, uh, any national, if, if there's sword, if there's war, or global negative force, global famine or economic downturn, anything that's coming against us, God's inseparable, unconquerable love gives us an overcoming victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so again, verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him that loved us so much that he died for us. I'm going down to verse 38. Um, he goes on to say, for I am convinced, and Amplified, I love this, I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt. Hallelujah. That's the place we want to be in because we love God. Be convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principality nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the, and I like this from the Amplified, from the unlimited love of God. Hallelujah. The unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. So this, this inseparable, unconquerable love from God gives us an overwhelming victory. We're more than conquerors. And here it says, I'm convinced. Hallelujah. And that's when we got to get to the the place that we're convinced that God's love is so much for us. And earlier we didn't get to that, but if any, uh, who, who, if God is for us, who can be against us? He loves us. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. Wherever we go, who can be against us? Glory to God. His inseparable, unconquerable love gives us an overwhelming victory over any personal thing, any personal challenges or tragedies, any national things that happen in our in our in our nation or any global things, anything that happens in our world, God's love is greater than this world. Hallelujah. It's, it's greater than this globe. Hallelujah. It's bigger than this globe. Hallelujah. His love is unconquerable. Hallelujah. And it gives us an overwhelming victory. And, and so here again, Paul says, I'm convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities Things present, things happen right now are threatening, nor things to come. People talk about the things that's coming, uh, the tragedies, uh, 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 the end of the world, all the different things that's, that, that's coming. It says no power, those who are in rulership, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing. Nothing is greater than the creator. Any other created thing is, is subject to the creator, and the creator is the God of love. Hallelujah. And it says no any other created thing will be able to separate us. And again, Amplified says, from the unlimited 
love of God. We talk about how abundant his love is. There's a limited love. Nothing can separate us. We're connected like glue. Hallelujah. Anything stronger than glue. We're connected with the love of God and nothing can separate us. No matter how hard it comes, like I have my hands, no matter what tries to, to pry, pry my hands together, we're connected with the love of God. We're, un, we're, we're unseparable from the love. We're inseparable from the love of God. We're connected. Death can't do it. Life can't do it. Tragedies can't do it. Nothing can separate us or break us from the love of God that is in the unlimited love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And so he's a, a, assuring us that in all difficulties, hallelujah, I read this, that in all difficulties, we will overcome. Hallelujah. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. So he's assuring us that in all difficulties, no matter what it is, we will overcome. Hallelujah. So we can say love overcomes. We stay connected with love. Love overcomes. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Love never runs out. Hallelujah. So we stay connected to God. We stay connected to love. And we will always win. Hallelujah. We will ultimately win. Love will always win. We will, we will overcome. No matter what the difficulty is, we will overcome. So we can rest assured and be convinced and here in Amphibot, continue to be convinced beyond any doubt. Hallelujah. That we're connected with that love and we will always overcome. We gain, we're more than conquered and gain an overwhelming victory through him that loved us. Hallelujah. We're going to stop there. We're just going to take a moment to praise God. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Father, for your unlimited love, your matchless love, your unconquerable love that you have toward us. Hallelujah. Your love for us is so strong that nothing can pry and separate us from your love. It's in, inseparable. We thank you so much for that love that you have toward us. and. Uh, and then we thank you that the love you put on the inside of us as your representatives to go forth, to carry out your, your assignments, to, to do love demonstrations, to love our neighbor as ourselves. As you have a strong love toward us, we're going to have that strong love uh, toward uh, others, have that strong love toward our neighbors. Continue, Holy Spirit, to train us and teach us in the ways of love and in all the ways of God. Help us to never be our GPS, continue to be our GPS and to guide us. Uh, in the steps of love so that we can bring glory and honor to the Father and um, be, um, carry out your work, your kingdom work here on the earth, just as it is in heaven. We thank you again for your love toward us. We appreciate it. We pray for it. We serve that love on the inside of us. We bless you. Thank you. Bless you.